On this episode of EdTech, we're going to talk about consumer products being in the classroom, whether or not the interface of a product matters to your faculty and staff, and also get a rundown of the latest CCUMC meeting. All that and more next on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. EdTech is brought to you by a fine group of underwriters, companies like HD Base T. This is EdTech, episode 38, recorded Tuesday, October 20th, 2015. Interface Matters. This is EdTech, the monthly look at the education space for audiovisual industry uh, by AV Nation. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us this month is Bill O'Donnell, fresh off the speaking trail uh, at CCUMC. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, sir. And um, coffee may not be the fountain of youth, but it is damn near close. We're going to get your, your take on the CCUMC and your speaking gig there. So good for you. Yeah. I, I heard that dozens of people did not walk out on you. So, <laughs> also with us is Ernie Bailey from UAMS. How are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. Awesome. Uh, and last but not least, Mike Tomei, Tomei uh, Consulting, uh, fabulous uh, CTS, uh, ICTSD, and, and a buddy. So, how are you, sir? <laughs> Good. Thanks, Tim. Doing really well. Uh, all right. So, uh, we're going to do a couple things this month. Um, talk about. Uh, AVIQ talk about consumer eh, consumer products in in the education space, uh, not for nothing. Ernie actually said they've been talking about that. I, I just came back from CEDIA, which is it's not quite CES, right? It it doesn't have all the gizmos and gadgets that CES does, but it it, it is residential focused. Um, so I kind of want to get their guy the guy's takes on that. And uh, our old friend Scott Tyner has sat down with pen and paper and written another blog, and I want to get your guys' take on that. Uh, but first. Uh, here's a story that we covered on, on AV Week uh, a number of, of weeks ago, and, and it, I think it's apropos for, for this audience. Um, and it, it, here's here's what we got. You've got this the HDMI license, which is the HDMI consortium who manages and, and does the, the HDMI licensing um, for products, and they, and they take care of all the, the, the stuff for that has to do with HDMI, honestly. They have a new certification program. And it is for, quote, unquote, HDMI premium certified cable. I swear to you, the first time I saw this, I straight up thought of Monster Cable. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's, I'm not kidding, because it, it looks, I mean, it's, if you're watching the video, you can see it's a nice gold-plated uh, label. Uh, if you're not listening, we'll just think about a nice gold-plated label. It says premium on the top, has a barcode and, and everything. You can, you can uh, scan it to make sure that it's, it's authentic. Um, so Ernie, we'll start with you on this. You guys do a lot of your own installs. You do a lot of, of purchasing yourself is something like this, you know, certified cables. Is this important to you guys? Uh, I'm not going to say that's important right now. Uh, we're not having any issues with our uncertified HDMI cables that we're buying from various manufacturers. Um, uh, we're happy with what we've got. I'm not going to pay for the label or for the premium tag uh, until I see that it makes a difference in what we're doing. You know, we're building everything uh, on a 4K platform, and everything seems to be working fine for us. So, like I said, uh, if my manufacturers want to certify their cables, that's fine. Uh, I'm not going to go looking for it right now. Would you, I'm not going to pay extra for it. So, so, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you tell me who. But if, so, let's say that the the current ones you use, if they chose to start certifying it, would it be worth it to you? I don't know what the markup would be five, ten cents, maybe a dollar more per cable. Is that is that enough to make you say, you know what, guys, cool, awesome, groovy, I'll still buy from you, or is there a breaking point where because they've gone the, down the certified the certified route? there's got to be a monetary breaking point where you say, you know what, that's not important to me. I'll just go down here this road and, and not certify. There probably is a point. Uh, you know, it would have to be a significant difference yeah. uh, for me to do that. But, you know, if they, yeah, if they gave me a big price hike, 
for the same cable I've been buying, I would look at others. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't, like I said, now if they can prove to me that it's different, that it's better, uh, or that I'm going to have problems with the ones that I've been buying from them, and then they're going to explain to me why they've been selling them to me. <laughs> but they, they weren't. They just weren't certified yet, right? They the same cables. Yeah, I don't know. Right, uh, Bill. Same question to you. Uh, does this matter when you when you start buying buying cables for the for the college? See, now this one I will tell you right up right off the bat. I'm sure there's at least someone uh, who's not in the, the immediate audience that's probably uh, saying yes, yes. There's a reason for a certification, and that might be some fine folks um, over at Extron. Cough, cough, Roy. Who you know is is very big about well Roy uh, and and also Mario at, at AQAV uh, he mm -hmm. would be you know, mo mo definitely in the in the certified you know camp yeah now the thing is though is that really you, you want to show me you know it's like oh we got certified well okay and if we're gonna go you know go down the Mario route on this one that's real easy um, it's here you go guys. Uh, let's get like say and you know not to pull up old uh, old uh, trick stuff here, but um, you know pull out the uh, the quantum the quantum data tester and everything. Yep. Plug it in. Plug in the old one. Let's do the 4K test. Let's push it through. Let's you know let's let's see what the thing can actually do. And uh, you know what? I'd really I'd really pay attention to it more if we're talking. I think like what was it? It's uh it's still like what 25 feet. After 25 feet, it gets questionable. Yeah. You want to say, hey, if you go with the sort of you know certified 4K cable, certified <coughs> HDMI, and it goes beyond that distance, then then I'll listen. But you know, for them to go and just say, oh, we have a certified we have a certified label. Well, show me the difference. Show me what your guys' tests are. Show me the checklist that you guys went through. You can tell I was definitely talking with Mario this weekend. Yes. Uh, but that that's the whole point of it is is if you want to go and say this stuff is certified, well tell me what test you did. Tell me what you did to get to this point. Don't just slap a label on the thing. I mean, otherwise, yes, we are going back to the monster cable thing where it's just, "Oh, check it out. It's oxygen free." Well, whoop you do. <laughs> oxygen free. <laughs> The, the the best uh, if you're not if you're on Facebook and you're not on the uh, what was it the AV fails or the AV um, AV nightmares AV nightmares <laughs> AV install nightmares AV install group you have to do this because the best one was an HDMI cable on one end and a power plug on the other that was <laughs> ooh yeah that was a good one that was a great one um, the the one problem with that bill though is is this it, that takes time right uh, that's one of the biggest um, headache so far when it comes to the, the Avenue Alliance and TSN is is they've got a certification process. They only have a handful of products that have been certified because it takes so long. I, I, that I will totally understand. I mean, uh, if you look at Avenue, uh, I think at this point the only switch that they definitely have certified are things from uh, Extreme. Extreme Networks. Yep. It's not even not even uh, Juniper or the big 800-pound gorilla in the room known as Cisco. Cisco. And, well, and I, I totally get that. Well, and the only amp you've got is, is a crown amp. The only speaker you've got, I believe, is Meyer. I could be mistaken on that. They might be have a, they might have another one. Uh, Harmon, Harmon may have but another one in there. The thing that I kind of hammered down though is that quality products and quality and, and you know quality installs and everything are neither quick nor are they easy. So, you know, if, if it takes some time, yeah, I get that. It's, it's also one of those things why, to a certain degree, Extron took a while for, for – it takes a while sometimes with some of their big stuff to come out because they have very rigorous QA processes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, I get it. It's going to take some time. And it's like, well, if it's worth it, then people will wait and they won't be – you know, they, they, they won't get the uh, low-end stuff and figure that's good enough, even though I seem to be dealing with that on a – more consistent basis than I want to admit to. Well, you all do. I mean, here's the thing. The, the one thing about education is you guys don't have a pot of money anywhere unless you're Harvard or, you know, somebody Notre, else. Notre a, Dame. Notre Dame. You know, somebody with a big, you know, um, Watto cash. annuity. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Tomei, when it comes to, to writing these specs and writing these, these certifications, not the certification, but writing the putting these designs in and putting this stuff in a CSI spec, does that make a whole lot of sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going down a good road to um, starting there, but I don't think it's not something I'm going to put in right now into a spec um, just because it's so new. Um, you, you know, you, you load up a spec with stuff like that, and um, the cost of your project goes way up <clears throat> because um, 
now they're forced into you know the the couple manufacturers that have gone down that road to get their cables licensed and certified. Um, but it brings up a good point. I mean, there are a lot of people that are still pretty confused out there about what kind of cabling they're going to need for true, um, true HD, uh, sorry, true 4K signals at 60 frames a second. You know, companies like Crestron and Extron are doing a good job to educate people about what kind of bandwidth they need through their system. But a lot of people still don't understand it and, um, you know, think that, that they have cabling in there that's going to support it when they don't. So it's going down a good road, but you know it's so new that I'm I'm not gonna. It's not something I'm gonna put into specs right now. Now, um, can I just interject for one sec, Mike? Yep. Okay. So, uh, not to put in a shameless plug there, Tim, but just to piggyback off what Mike was talking about, is when you talk about quality of cables. Couple, as I say, a couple years, uh, about a year and change back or so. Um, remember, we actually did a cable throwdown test. In which you know we put the four, we put um, you know a couple of manufacturers' cables through the 4K test, and they said, "Oh yeah, our stuff will do it," and it was all factory terminated and everything else. And you saw what happened. Yeah, it um, it was Infocom 2014. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want to go to our YouTube channel, I'll, I'll put a link on this on this uh, on this episode uh, page. Hashtag as well. shameless plug. It's not shameless. It, it was actually a cool thing. <laughs> I wish we could do it every year. Uh, the mm. problem is well, the problem is we the equipment we got was from Crestron and it cost like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh, the quantum! Oh, the quantum nine eighty. Yes. I ain't gonna lie, that thing is awesome. That thing also probably costs at least uh, more than my family's house. Yeah, I, I, th I think it was two hundred or two hundred fifty thousand. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, they have one uh, it in the, at the Rockley uh, office or the the Rockley lab. So, yeah. All right. But there are a lot of um, you know no-name cables out there that are making claims about uh, their bandwidth that um, you just can't trust these days. So you know you see it all the time. And and you know it's funny you mentioned that AV install nightmare. Somebody on there just yesterday I think uh, brought this subject up in the comment section of one of the posts um, about uh, claims that cable manufacturers are making, and everybody started talking about what cables they trust and which ones they don't. So. That's one of my favorite Facebook groups for sure. It definitely is. A, it's a fun one. If you, yeah. Again, if you if you are on Facebook, it, it would be well worth your time and your uh, the space in your news feed to to check them out. So I don't even know who yeah. runs that. So that he whoever runs that would be good to get on. So um, all right, next up uh, from our buddies over at AV Magazine, avinteractive.com. Uh, Middle Atlantic's launching a furniture hub for collaborative spaces. Full disclosure, uh, Middle Atlantic is actually one of our fine underwriters, so thank you. Uh, but uh, one of the things is is if you ever get a chance to go to Middle Atlantic's uh, warehouse in their, in their factory, up on the second floor they've got this this space where they have all this this furniture. And yes, they make more than racks. I think this about this time last year we started talking about their their table that has the the rack the rack spaces built into the legs, which is still freaking cool. Um, but this is furniture for built exclusively for collaborative collaboration spaces. Easy for me to say this morning. Um, uh, showing here on the on the video, if you're watching the video portion, it, it's if you it's a table. Uh, it's it's sort of rounded at the end. It's it's, it's blunted at, at one end where you can put a, a display of some sort, um, places to put uh, equipment and things of that nature. Bill, are we are we to place where equipment and, and products like this make sense? Where a manufacturer should start going and saying, you know what, let's just let's just go out out on this this hub space, uh, the, these these hub rooms, these huddle rooms. Uh, I hate using huddle rooms, but um, but these 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 <laughs> hub spaces. spaces, huddle spaces, um, because uh, honestly, not only in education but also in corporate. That's what we're using all the times. So going down this road and, and kind of putting not all their eggs, but a bunch of eggs in this basket. So this is actually something I, I've I've kind of seen, and um, I'm not gonna lie, we actually have a a, a different version of this. Um, uh, we actually have three of them in our um, uh, what is it? Uh, our collaborative learning space, uh, in which we have the tables from VFI, which is now AVF, but. Um, it's interesting to see Mill Atlantic getting into this because you're starting to see all their products kind of all mesh together on this one. Um, you've seen them start to get into uh, doing wall mounts for displays. 
Uh, you suddenly see them doing more of the furniture milling portion. You see them obviously using their tech pedestal to house everything together. And uh, it's it looks good initially. I'm I'm sure there's a couple of there's I kind of looked around on it and and you know it's kind of obvious who their main competitor for this is going to be is it's going to be in the realm of Steelcase, which I've dealt hmm. with a number of architects. They all love to do they yeah they are loving as I say they love Steelcase because Steelcase will go and give them a wonderful discount. And um, if you like Altenex, then you're in luck because it's it's as I say their stuff is all Altenex based, which once again, I always say this, there's some really good stuff that each manufacturer does, and there's some really wonky stuff. Um, I am not a fan of their, their pucks that are in the steel, the steel case tables, but architects seem to have a very big, uh, um, uh, they, have a very, they have a very good preference for steel case. So uh, I think this is them trying to get into that foray. Uh, the, other, the other thing, too, is just, um, you know what, they have like a little bit of, they're it's obviously here it is here it is um let us know what you think i i think there's probably going to be a number of day two items that may end up um getting rolled into this stuff um the other the other interesting thing that i've, I've i saw just recently was uh folks are actually starting to put uh glass uh countertops on top of uh, collaboration tables so that you could actually go and uh you know folks could write on the table and make their own like little uh sharpie notes and everything um It'd be interesting if they could actually work that out with, say, um, a glass manufacturer and actually make cutouts for it. But that's where you get into, you know, how much pressure do you put on the glass and all sort of kind of stuff, or if you just make a cutout. Hmm. Um, but I, I, I like it. I mean, it's it, it's to the point where um, the furniture makers just go and say, oh, here, we can do this. And then all of a sudden the, the AV folks on campus would say, well, how are we supposed to run all this? And you've got, like, you know, one of the biggest – as I would put it, the big daddy rabbit of them, um, going and saying, here, we'll get into the furniture business. Why not? Oh, so. That makes sense. Uh, Mike, from your standpoint, does this make it easier to kind of uh, spec things from, from one manufacturer like this, especially when you start doing several different huddle spaces? Yeah, definitely. So uh, back one of my last projects at Ithaca College was an active learning classroom that had, I think, six or seven of these types of tables in there. So I did a lot of research on all different manufacturers. And all the office furniture companies make these types of tables, but Middle Atlantic really, and some other AV uh, furniture manufacturers have really um, tackled the two biggest issues with these types of standalone collaboration tables. Um, where do we hide the equipment underneath it? And how do we manage the cables underneath it? Um, so all the furniture manufacturers um, that are out there don't really pay attention to that. And um, you have cables draping down underneath, and you're you're trying to cram switchers and other equipment up underneath the table with no rack space. So, um, so I really like this table a lot. And this this year at uh, Infocom, I was on the hunt for new uh, lectern models. So I went to all the furniture manufacturers, and um, this was the first year I really took a, a hard look at Middle Atlantic's furniture. Uh, their credenzas and their lecterns, and I really like it. It's really solid stuff. They have a lot of different finishes that they can put on there, and then they pay attention to all the little integrator features that um, everybody wants, you know, uh, built-in rack spaces, um, actually racks that can be easily removed so you can build it elsewhere, and um, then just put the sides on your lectern. So I really like Mid-Atlantic stuff, and I, I really want to try this um, table in uh, – uh, in an install, so I'm looking forward to it. Let, let me let me understand this. You, you, this is the first year you've looked at their credenzas. <laughs> Are you kidding I, I, me? I've never never had a need. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't have a need putting, either. They're freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're, it's we're, a we're rack with a. It's, never mind. Go no, ahead. Well, no. Yeah. If anything, we're putting in about uh, let me think about four or five of them uh, in our new um, uh, in our new classrooms. And uh, folks are liking them because they can look and they can say, oh, wow, um, we didn't ask for a teacher's desk or anything. Oh, and, and they suddenly flip open the doors and they're like, wow, this is actually hidden very well. And for us, we're happy because Middle Atlantic, Middle Atlantic happens to be the only folks that realized, oh, yeah, you need ventilation in, in your credenza so you know your equipment yeah. doesn't cook. Exactly. So, That's that. what you don't get from everybody else, yeah. Yeah. So they, yep. yeah, the C5s, they've, they, hit it, they hit the nail on the head so well and the nice part is too um 
they're not just you know even though they're owned by Legrand um, and you know they're partnered with Wiremold and everything. If you ask them to put in a, cu a custom cutout for like say a cable cubby or uh, a hydroport or something like that, they'll do it. They you just tell them one of three locations and they put it in. No no questions asked. They don't they don't bicker or anything like that. That's which for me as an end client is a big deal because some folks other folks will go and say, well we could do that. That'll cost extra. No them no. Nah. It's not a big deal. Yeah. No, but, but the yeah. one thing about that is, is make darn sure you know exactly where you want that sucker cut out. Oh, because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't exactly right. patch it and never mind. Uh, yeah. Ernie, uh, you guys don't have a you, – you've got a couple of these rooms. Um, you, you're, you're may, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the, the ones that I've seen of your rooms are, are pretty much lecture halls, right? They're, they're, they're standard right, lecture we have, halls. Well, we've got some smaller classrooms, and then we've got an active learning center. Uh, I love things like this. The problem that I have is when I, you know, we have to work with interior designers. We have mm. an in-house interior designer, and they're concerned about, you know, the look across the entire campus, the hospital, the patient areas, the research areas, and the academic spaces. And they want it all to look the same. And when I go to them and talk to them about uh, AV furniture, they said, we can just hide the AV stuff inside the furniture that we're buying. Yeah. <laughs> well, Right. Yes, we can, and yes, we have to drill holes in the side or put a small fan to pull the heat out, uh, and we have to kind of force wiring in, cut the backs out so we bring power in or what cabling from the ceiling. Uh, so you know, it's the issue I have once again is getting the AV designers to look at. I mean, getting the interior designers to look, to at, look at the at AV furniture as a piece of furniture and not. Not a rack, you know. Do you have that conversation, Ernie, where you, you explain to them, look, there, there's construction. I'm going to I'm going to drill holes and cut holes in this sucker. Well, generally, they will let me work with the whoever they're buying the, the furniture from, and they'll cut the holes for us. Oh, okay. Well, but still, that I mean, that adds to the cost of their custom furniture they're bringing in. You know, yes, it looks real nice and it matches what's on the rest of the campus, but what I'm seeing from Middle Atlantic and then. Uh, Soundcraft uh, furniture makes very similar stuff uh, to that. They're located just a few miles from us. Uh, their stuff can look just as nice and can match, and you know they can match finishes, things like that. But the AV designers, and I, I can't really shoot down all the AV designers. My daughter is—I mean, interior designers. My daughter is an interior designer. Wow. Uh, so, uh, so, so what you but, need to do is get her a job at UAMS. I tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, or get her to push it to her colleagues. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and when she, she has talked to me, like, you know, if they're doing a high end, uh, home and they're putting a home theater in it, she'll work with me on that. They do a lot of retail space. and She may ask me questions about how to make the AV work with it. So at least she's thinking about it. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say, I think that, that if we're looking at this from a long-term perspective, is companies like, say, Mill Atlantic or FSR or uh, AVF and a couple other ones, they are going to have to start bringing in more industrial – sorry, not industrial, but more interior designers. But the other thing that I've kind of noticed that tends to make the architects a little bit more um, – pliable or just they, they'll listen a little bit more is um well two things one is just offering a little bit more offering a variety of either veneers or high pressure laminates or um you know if they're if they're able to even do color matching with some of their other samples which uh fs i think fsr is working on it. i know middle atlantic does um, it's it's giving them the variety because if you tell an architect, oh well, this is you know you can cho choose this shade of gray, they're all going to look and go, no, I'm going to go back to steelcase. Um, mm -hmm. But the other thing too is um, just like I said, it's it's just kind of it's just kind of kind of bridging it between the architect and the and the consultant. Oh, the other thing was the, this too, and then just just me kind of noticing their uh, hub setup and everything. Um, the pedestal, I get it. It's it's the you know it's meant to look kind of angular, but a lot of architects tend to like having kind of more rounded shapes. So maybe in the future, if Mill Atlantic could get like you know some panels that could pop on that kind of make it seem like more like a rounded pedestal, that might that might work a little bit more in their favor. That's hmm. just that's just me. 
Just just some pre-design advice. Is that what you're saying? Well, um, I know I've talked with some folks and and they, I showed them that and they said, oh, it's very mission style esque. I was like, is that a good thing? They're like, if if that's your choice. I went, okay, that's architect code for no, but all right. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on from commercialintegrator.com. Uh, our buddy Craig McCormick wrote this, and this is this is where my brain is, at least right now, a couple days after coming off of Cedia. Consumer AV for commercial products, or uh, projects, rather. And I saw a number of, of products last year, or last week at, at, at Cedia in Dallas. And uh, I want to kind of get your guys' two cents on them, and, and mainly because of, of two specific areas of products one is, is dolby atmos and, and i'll give you my two cents on, on where i think that is and the other one is is 4k is 4k um yes it's coming yes it's it's you know there, there are a number of projectors out there the number of, of displays out there and now there are a number of players still no physical media at least in the states <laughs> there, there is physical media available i know in in europe and i'm pretty sure in, in japan as well uh, allegedly. No, not allegedly. You can, I mean, you could buy it. I, I don't know, you know. How they all play here. <laughs> eh, it's not as regionalized as it used to be, right? It's not yeah. It's not like, you know, 20 years ago when you had to, I don't know. when you, oh, when Pal you, and Ccam. And, well, Pal and Ccam, and, and not only that, but in the first, yeah, in the, in the early days region. of DVD, you, they regionalized yeah. that as well. So if, if you were a, you know, I don't know, a manga fan, Mr. Bill. Um, you could. What? I'm comics. Don't don't eh, don't throw me. Comics, manga, same difference. Uh, <laughs> um, if you were a if you were a Japanese animation fan, let's put it that way, and you wanted to watch certain uh, titles that were only available in Japan, you had to buy a a regionalized DVD player. Again, this was 15, 20 years ago. Um, but uh, probably the power conversion probably wouldn't right uh wouldn't fit right unless you got a converter for that. Um. Uh, but Mike, on, on on this area, and and this is my two cents on Atmos, right? Dolby Atmos is is freaking incredible. If you if you hear a really good um, demo of it, 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 demo of it, it is incredible, right? You're talking multi-channel surround sound. Oh my gosh, you're in the middle of whatever sound they're they're putting you in. Last night on on uh, Monday Night Football, they released the the last uh, trailer for Star Wars. If you're watching Star Wars. Um, you're going to be in the middle of whatever fight or whatever scene they, they put you in in this thing. However, I don't see this in education, right? Um, no. Unless it's Berkeley, right? <laughs> right? Unless it's a, a sound studio like that. However, there were also a number of 4K players. Dish Network has a, a 4K Joey. Um, TiVo, uh, you've got uh, Sony, you have... Kaleidoscape, you've got a number of, of different ones that are coming out with 4K content, 4K players, way, ways to, to push content to these 4K displays that a lot of people like yourselves are going to start specking into these systems. Are those types of consumer products going to be viable for, for education? Maybe in... Um film schools or like you mentioned somebody that really needs um, uh, you know video or film production classes possibly I, I um, don't at the moment don't have any clients needing any of that um, so I'm not specking it for sure um, you know it's it's not a, a home theater situation that I'm I'm working in so I don't think um, I don't think that any any of my clients are really beating down the door right now for 4k content. Um, or or that kind of surround sound in the classrooms. Um, they definitely want to make sure that the the systems that I'm specking, you know, switching and processing, can eventually handle um, that that content, or can easily be uh, outfitted to to handle it. Um, but nobody has really asked for it specifically. So. All right, Ernie. From uh, your standpoint, commercial or, or residential or, or you know consumer grade well, products in the classroom. Yeah, in the classroom. I mean, we have occasionally put in uh, a consumer grade uh, display. We don't like to, uh, and you know this article mentions that can immediately void the warranty in it when you put it in the commercial setting. Uh, we fight against it. Uh, I'm in a fight, or a, no, let's not say a fight, a discussion with a student group that wants to put up some monitors in lecture halls that are used mostly by their, their classes to display announcements while the instructor is getting their PowerPoint ready to go on the screen. 
They just want they want separate monitors on the side. We told them that's not really within our plan, and we have other methods to get them the information. So they went and got a grant to have it done. Wow. Now I'm explaining to them. So I'm going to be meeting with the student in charge of it, who I told no, and then went back. He went back and got the money. Uh, and his dean, probably the next few days, we're trying to get trying to find a time we can all three meet. And I'm going to explain to him that we have a procedure in place for projects like this, this review, to make sure that we're doing what is best for the university, not what is best for the, this group and, you know, the people that are behind it are senior students in their colleges. So they're going to be here till May. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to make a major investment in the classroom space. I mean, I understand their idea and their, I think there are better ways to do what they're trying to do. And I'm trying to explain that to them and they're wanting to do it their way. You know, they're looking at using tools that are going to interfere with our wireless network on the campus. And you know, that that's going to have to be stopped. So they're not going to be able to get the content the way they want to. So dealing with that and then, you know, on the same line as that with consumer products, I had an instructor or not an instructor, but a, a departmental chair want their uh, a wireless microphone system put in their conference room. And he had his uh, business officer contact my install team and they went and they looked it over and, you know, it was, well, we, there are several ways we can go with this. What's your budget? And the business officer said, I'll call you back. She sent him an email a few minutes later, said, uh, do what, do whatever you think is best with a hundred dollar cap on it. Oh, okay. and you know, <laughs> I don't know that I might go to a sporting goods store and get a cheerleader's megaphone for that price. You know, now hang on. There, there are some micro some wireless mics you can get for that price point. How about speakers and cable and amplifier that don't exist in the room? Oh, wow. Never mind. <laughs> We're going from a room with, with no technology to adding a wireless microphone in a room that's a little bit larger than my office. Yeah. Hey, Ernie, how about this? I will ship you the handle that you then can get for the uh, cheerleader megaphone because that's about the closest they're going to get. That's that's kind of what, you know, uh, my installer, uh, lead installer said, I don't know how to answer their question without without sounding extremely rude. Will you talk to them? <laughs> what what he's saying, Ernie, is that you're a lot more adept at wording things than he is. <laughs> the the, the oh. term the term you can't get there from here comes to mind. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm trying to uh, phrase my response properly for this departmental chair. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Good luck with that. Uh, yeah, uh, but you know, I, I think that fits in the consumer products and the commercial world. Yes, too, you know, I would agree. A Mr. Microphone—that's what you need. Get yourself a boombox and a Mr. Microphone. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, if I buy buy a used boombox on eBay, I can <laughs> probably get it under hundred dollars. Yes, you could. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll run through all the the D cell the twelve D cell batteries in no time. But it's oh, those are those are consumers. That's that, that those are consumables. That's that's operating expenses are not, not right, capital right. expenditure. Different budget. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Bill, when it comes to consumer products in, in the classroom? Ah, uh, see, now that is something I, I do, I, as I say, and Ernie can Ernie knows this one as well as I do. Um, I do get departmental chairs that look and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm just going to hook this up via Bluetooth. And I, I, I kind of look at it, and I, I take kind of Ernie's approach with this, and I say, well, we can do this. Um, if you want to do it Bluetooth, I said, guys, there's if there's uh, some proprietary stuff or if there's some things that you'd rather not get out into the open, don't do Bluetooth. Well, well, what would you offer? I'm like, well, you can do commercial, and it's really meant for more kind of use and abuse. Oh, we don't learn our stuff on all the time. I'm like, I know, but life happens, and people, you know, mean well, and they don't always turn the lights off in the in the office and everything. So what's not what's to stop them from not turning off the display? And you know, the, the, we've we've been specking in commercial uh, displays for all our stuff, and I tell everyone, I'm like, it's meant for use and abuse, and you know, if these things get left on for three to five years, I'm not going to worry about. It. And in the in, in our case, the other thing I tend to throw out at everyone is um, your commercial grade. Dis sorry, your residential grade displays usually only have like about a one year or ninety day warranty kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the commercial grade displays that we we get are usually at minimum are three years, and then as long as we register them with their star student program, uh, they throw on an extra year or two years, no additional cost, and by that time we'll be we'll be you know changing out the displays or um, the the college will sorry the college will have reorganized and all of a sudden you know oh this is now an office space this is no longer a conference room, so. Mm-hmm. No, it's just one of those things where I, I, I look at the stuff and I go, guys, we're in a commercial environment. Use the commercial stuff. Oh, but I can get it better I can get it cheaper at Best Buy. Well that's great. Um you you're also that stuff's also meant only beyond like three to four hours a day. It's not meant for, you know, continual usage seven days a week, which with us having uh, our, our weekend classes and everything like that does happen. Yeah. So we had uh, a situation just a few weeks ago in one of our classrooms. We went in there just one of their displays had gone out. Well, uh, couldn't figure out what it was, it, and we got to looking, and it had not been turned off in six years. Oh. The AV system, when you hit the off button, sent a blanking signal. Uh. <laughs> and uh. there was no code to turn off the TV. Uh. So they use blanking? So, huh? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, just so, so there was a black signal. We didn't <laughs> put this one in, okay? Uh, the people that did it are long gone. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. But, uh, and it was one of the, it was a display that did not have a green light to tell you it's turned on. Uh, there were two displays in the room. One of them turned off from the control system. The other one apparently never got the code or, you know, <laughs> cut cable or something, but it never got the signal to turn off. So now we're replacing that that display. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And and the problem with that statement, though, Ernie, is is they're not long gone. The company may be defunct, but they're at different little integrators all around Little Rock well, now. Well, so. I, I know I know the people who did it. They're okay. no longer in our market. All they're, right. Well, there you go. That's probably best. <laughs> they moved on. Gracious, that's the. Yeah, that's the danger sometimes. Um. All right. One. A uh, couple more stories, real quick, and we'll let you guys go. Uh, this is from our friends over at avnetwork.com. AVIQ, and, and just not for nothing, New Bay, which is who runs AV Network, owns AVIQ now. Um, they had a story on here, the top, the top five uh, things trending on, on AVIQ. And uh, the, the user types, which is interesting to me, Mr. Tomei, top on that is AV Consultant, um, Systems yep. Integrator. <laughs> Uh, universities and college, which is kind of why I'm bringing this up, um, and uh, and K12 is in there as well. Um, the the top products are projectors, marker boards, which surprised the heck out of me. Uh, interactive Last whiteboards, which still surprises the heck out of me. Um, touch panel controls, and then fiber optics. Um, Mike, I, I want to start with you on this because you're you're the top of this list here. Yeah. It, is is stuff like this? It, it, it not you know Infocom used to own them, and then and then about a year ago, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, AVIQ was sold to, to New Bay. Is this helpful? It, 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 are, are databases like this useful to integrators, to guys like Ernie and, and Bill who were trying to, you know, piece together a system to put together a huddle space, to guys like, you know, consultants who may or may not know everything? Because, you know, you, you guys can't be experts at everything. I'm sorry. You know, none of us can be. Now, hold on here. <laughs> Do it definitely. <laughs> then give what me give about? give me a dissertation on 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 never mind. Yeah. So um, yeah. but but are, is this valuable here? Yeah. So um, I'm I'm a fan of AVIQ. About four months ago, I um, had a conference call with one of their employees to kind of give me a little guided tour of the site because I really wanted to learn more about it, and um, I just never really used it that much, and. Um, I got a, a great kind of WebEx tour of their site and especially their project cost estimator, mm. um, which I really like. Um, it's not only I, I I not only use it to kind of calculate equipment cost, um, which, which is which is nice, but they also have labor hour estimates in there for each piece of equipment. So they've gone through. Hang on for a second. Based on zip code, like no, like area. Okay, so it's just a general no. labor. Okay. Exactly right. So that's that's my next statement to kind of you know use this as your starting point. So um, gotcha. it, uh, they they went through. I the, this, the the description I got is they when it was owned by Infocom, there was a committee that kind of of integrators and consultants that got together and estimated labor uh, hours for each piece of equipment. 
Um, now there's a big difference between a little, you know, 2,000 lumen projector and a, a 15,000 lumen projector as far as you know labor hours go to install the thing. So it's a good starting point to um, start putting together a, a opinion of probable cost for a job. Um, and um, so I, I spent a lot of time going through it and kind of picking pieces of information out of the AVIQ site that helped me put together my cost estimates now. Um, I put together my own labor hours, um, like you said, based on uh, rates in my area and um, different levels of installs. You know, they, they kind of lump everything together. If it's a projector, um, they use the same labor hours doesn't really matter how large or small the projector is. So it's a good starting point uh, to put together um, cost estimates for jobs. So I do use it, and uh, I'm a fan of it. I didn't really use it before, and I'm really glad I kind of sat down for an hour and, and got a tour from one of their employees. How, um, how did you get that to happen? Did you just call them up? or? Yes. Yeah, so, um, boy, how did I get that to happen? I forget now. I think I saw an article written by one of them. Um, talking about AVIQ, so I, I just emailed them and said, you know, uh, uh, I've, I've used your site a little bit. Can you give me a, a better description of how uh, a consultant could really use it? And um, they set up a, a WebEx call for me. And it was great. I was really glad I did. Um, so so I, I definitely use it, but like I said, it's a good starting point um, for equipment cost and um, project uh, labor hours when I'm putting together my opinion of probable cost documents. Mm -hmm. so, and then a quick comment about the marker boards. Yes. That was, I saw that too, and, and I thought, funny, you know, are they calling interactive whiteboards marker boards? But then interactive whiteboard appears on there also. So they really are just referring to marker boards. And um, recently I was contracted to write a, an AV assessment and strategic plan for a state school here in, in central New York. So I did a, a survey of faculty and staff members um, and asked them of uh, 12 different pieces of, of AV equipment that are already installed in, in classrooms, you know, all the standard stuff, projector, DVD player, VHS, dock cams, all that. Um, what do they use most often? And um, the, I included conventional whiteboards and blackboards in there. And whiteboards were the fourth most used item in the classroom out of these 12 different pieces of AV equipment that I asked them about. And blackboards were right behind that, so um, they're still really popular. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that people are going to AVIQ to research them, but um, but they're still really popular. I mean, we get uh, requests for those all the time when we're starting to piece together system designs. We well, you, you got to write on something, right? So yeah. So actually, that brings up an interesting thing. Um, specifically during CCUMC, we did a, um, a walking tour of uh, Duquesne as well as um, University of Pittsburgh. And one of the things that the Duquesne folks that did that was actually kind of interesting was they reused some of their tables and they got uh, some custom cut uh, uh, glass tabletops uh, to lay on top. And they had them all in kind of like these neon pop colors and everything. And instead of having all this vertical space for, you know, the, the whiteboards and everything else, their provost actually said, I don't want any vertical space. I want everyone to be writing on the tables and everything. So hmm. folks actually go and, yeah, they actually go and write on the, uh, write on the, the glass surface, which I did kind of bring up to them. I said, hey, guys, um, what if folks decide to put their elbows up on the table or kind of start shifting around? Aren't you going to have, like, you know, Joseph, the amazing Technicolor uh, sleeves and everything? They said, well, the washroom's right down the right down the hall. I went, okay. <laughs> okay. But it it did, it, it looked nice. Uh, true. Um, the one thing they did tell everyone is that they said, "Oh, use whatever you want." They said, "Except sharpies." And I said, "Wait a minute! Don't don't sharpies come off on there?" They're like, "Yeah, but we don't want our fa our facilities folks to life any more difficult than it is." So. <laughs> All right then, uh, Ernie. From your standpoint, does the databases like this make a whole lot of sense for you? Uh, I have used it in the past. I haven't looked at it in a while. After Mike's comments, I will go back and look at it. Uh, it got kind of clunky at one point when it was still under Infocom. Uh, you, I mean, it was it was like, almost like going through a stack of file cabinets trying to find trying to find the literature you wanted. Uh, so it sounds like it's been cleaned up a bit. Uh, so I think we will definitely take a look at it. Uh, I do use similar tools. Uh, Projector Central is our favorite place when we're looking for projectors or displays uh, to find out what's out there and compare. 
what we have to what's what's new. Uh, but uh, like I said, we will definitely take another look at ABIQ. All right, very good. Uh, last but not least, our, our old buddy and pal, uh, Mr. Uh, Scott Tyner, has written a piece uh, for Rave Magazine or for Rave Pubs. It is entitled "Sometimes Appearances Do Matter." Now, what he does is, it, 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 Scott's gone through, good lord, I know a good five or six years with Crestron, and and they've used Capture HD, which is what the the piece is about, is is is, is class capture, uh, and he goes on to compare the Crestron interface with Extron's interface, um, and, and talking about the ease of use uh, and, and the use case between the two. Um, Ernie, we'll start with you on this one. Did, does he make a point here where where the actual interface when it comes to the web interface really kind of does matter when it comes to adoption uh, for faculty? I think it does for for some tools. I mean, if it's not easy and intuitive for them to use, they're not going to use it. Uh, he also makes a point about, you know, some of their some of the tools for the support staff. Uh, you know, we have the support center here and we use some of the tools that he talks about as well as others. And uh, if it's not easy to get around in, my, my staff doesn't, don't want to use it. Uh, and, you know, once again, if the instructor doesn't, can't figure out two or three clicks, I mean, we use a different lecture capture tool here. What we use is actually not designed as a lecture capture tool, but a live uh, collaboration tool that has uh, recording capabilities. And the biggest complaint I get from the faculty is, how many steps they have to go through to get the recording started, and then they're still not sure that they're getting good audio and good video. Hmm. Uh, it, it's so much that we have set up uh, six stations at our help desk. Where I've, I've got three guys that work at the help desk. I've got three stations there, but along the wall, we have put uh, six computers uh, with displays that do nothing, and then they log those six into six different recordings that are taking place each hour. Uh, and they make sure that, you know, the audio meter is going, there's a picture in the block to show this recording. So uh, we, we have to monitor because it's so hard for the instructors to make sure that it's working when they hit the start button. All right. uh, so, yes, the, the interface matters is the answer to the question, I guess. Mike, how do you how do you make sure of that? When you, I mean, is it is it just your due diligence when you're when you're, when you're specking a product, and hoping and, and crossing your fingers that the manufacturer doesn't change the interface on you? Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking to Ernie's point, you know, ease of use with lecture capture is huge. Um, that's the biggest design consideration. Everybody, uh, everybody loves the idea of lecture capture, but they don't really understand. Um, what the instructor is going to have to do, or after the fact, um, you know, on the back end to process that video, what's going to have to happen. So, yeah, having um, uh, interface for the for the users is really important. But then also Scott's talking about um, the interface for kind of configuring the um, the device and um, and installing it. And on the higher ed side of the work I do. Uh, I always have to remember that there's going to be um, AV technicians at almost every school, um, even if they only have like a low-level AV technician that is going to want to be able to um, adjust settings or log into the web interface of this equipment and um, check settings and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, having having a company really pay attention to um, their, their uh, web configuration uh, interface is really important you know on the on the um, commercial side or the, the corporate side of things integrators hate the idea of a user being able to access that piece of equipment change any settings on it they don't want you know some admin assistant at a law firm that they're installing equipment in to be able to change things so it's not as important there but on the higher ed side of things where you have support technicians um, yeah it's really important for companies to pay attention to that sort of thing yeah, absolutely uh, bill for you uh, does that does that you know that that ring true it, it does it's one of these things um, for us whenever we don't have a lecture capture system per se with our stuff so much as uh, like a like a professor wants to go and give a lecture we'll actually have our broadcast folks come by and they hmm. they take care of everything because 
Um, I mean, our, our instructors have a hard enough time uh, when we go over when, you know, some of our, our instructors and everything will teach them how to set up uh, Blackboard Collaborate shells and everything. And I kid you not, I have one of our math department, uh, one of our math department uh, professors, uh, once they found out there was a firmware update to the, the entire system, they said, well, that's an additional 10 clicks per session. If you go by this, I'm doing an extra 10,000 clicks over, this, over the uh, semester and blah, 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 blah. And I went, Wow. All right. Uh, so we try to take out a lot. If anything, we try to. It's a bit of a white glove service, but um, yeah. If you're if if the instructor is not comfortable with it, they're they're just going to leave it by the wayside. Which is the same. Which really kind of boils down to, you know, if you really want to get into it, like touch panel design. If it's confusing, folks are just going to say, "No, I'm just going to. You know what? I'll just turn on the projector myself and just go straight at it." But if it's intuitive, they look and they go, oh, yeah, no, it's the same in every room. Hit this, hit that, go to that. I'm good. No. Same thing with, uh, with lecture capture. Yeah, I know we were that. That's one of the, that's one of the harder parts of, of creating a, an interface is making sure it's intuitive and, and simple to use. So, uh, All right, guys. And a lot uh, of schools look to – oh, sorry. Go I was going to say a lot of schools look to the software-based lecture capture, and, um, which is, can be a lot cheaper than putting a piece of – you know hardware in every room but um but you know like bill was saying there could be a lot of clicks and a lot of um you're leaving a lot to chance there whereas you put something in like that extron smp351 that scott talks about in this article and it has a nice big record button on the front of it and uh you know it's like there's one click so uh yeah you know, they, they have bumped up i think they just recently bumped up the uh solid state hard drive for that too because because it's become so popular yeah yeah uh, the and, size and, of it, even? yeah. The, 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 the solid state hard drive, yeah. yeah. I think oh, it went okay. from like eighty gigs to like I want to say at least two to three hundred. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quickly, uh, Bill, kind of give us a rundown. You, I, I mentioned the fact that you just got back from CCUMC. Mm -hmm. Give us an overview of, of what CCUMC is and 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 wh why you were there speaking to to okay. thousands of people. So. CCUMC is a mix of you have your tech managers or your various folks uh, from IT who are trying to understand more about AV and how the two of them uh, play nice together. Uh, in addition, you also end up having a mix of IT vendors as well as uh, AV manufacturers. Um, there are folks from Kramer, Crestron, Extron. Uh, I'm trying to think who are the other, some of the other bigger players. Uh, Atlona was there. Harman obviously was there. Uh, so was Shore, and if I'm remembering correctly, I believe our friends from Draper were there as well, because cool. Penny managed to uh, mug me for a selfie, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing is, the the other thing is that folks will go and talk about it. This works at my this works at my campus. This is a problem I've been having at mine, and everyone kind of collaborates and kind of talks and says, "Well, we worked it through with this. Maybe you should look at that." And then on top of that, they also have uh, presentations, which in our case, um, uh, my boss Sandy and I gave a presentation about uh, this year's hot button topic was uh, active learning classrooms. And just about every hour or so, there was at least one presentation, folks talking about, well, this is what we did for our active learning classrooms. This is what we did for ours. And the thing that we focused on was, well, how do you get the faculty involved with it? Because, you know, not to bleed back to the previous subject, but if the faculty don't understand how the room's supposed to function, they're going to look and say, why did you give me this room? I hate this room. I don't want to go into this room. So they, so we focused on a room that actually, that actually trained the faculty. Here, this is how you actually use the room. This is what the room is supposed to be set up like and you know, have, have at it. Um, aside from that, we also ended up having, uh, you know, there was, there was usually dinners that we would go out to with various folks and, um, uh, here and there, there'd be some little sales pitches, um, which, you know, it's, it's kind of comes with the territory. And on top of that, I actually ended up, um, uh, chatting with, uh, Mr. Mario Maltese, who, um, gave a very good presentation. It was literally entitled, uh, how much did your classroom actually cost? And, nice. um, no, well, no, it's it's true. He actually went and explained it to everyone, and you you want you want it in a simple in a simple syrup thing. Uh, his whole thing is here. There's a checklist. Here's the thing to to actually hold the integrators accountable, and it's really just to kind of bring more transparency to the entire install. I mean, th there's some stuff that that can fall on the client side. There's some stuff that can fall on the integrator side. You know, if you suddenly say, 
oh, this room's too quiet. Well, Mario would say, well, here's a checklist. Check what the impedance was. Check what the sound pressure level is required. Um, what's the ta what's the uh, tap? Sorry, the the um, wattage tap that you set the speakers to. And if it all comes up to where it's it meets the minimums, it's it, the, Mario would then look at the client and go, no, the integrator pr fulfilled it to what you asked for. And you know, the integrator would then joke and just be like, yes, I'm getting paid. And yes, I, I directly ripped that from one of his uh, from one of his speeches, but. It's it rings true, and that's one of the big things that why you know I love Mario so much is that for him he tries to really push it with folks of just you know hold the folks hold the folks accountable hold them hey um, and it's it's one of those things I'm in my office I so uh, anyway the like I said so that so that went down and then um, we did some tours we did some walking tours of the folks at uh, Duquesne University who. You know, they have a ton of classrooms, and they manage things very well for the, the size of the campus and the grandiose of the campus that they have to they have to work with. Um, there's also University of Pittsburgh, which um, if you've never been, please go. It is a beautiful campus. In fact, um, they were actually able to integrate AV into what was called their Cathedral of Learning. And nice. I'll just wrap it up with this. It's Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful building. And uh, specifically, um, they have work, what they call their nationality rooms. And the one that threw me for a loop was they actually had one called the Turkish room. And so there's you know lots of wonderful wood seating and everything else. And these are actually used for classrooms. Um, but they actually were able to integrate in a full AV system into the, uh, into the room and not disturb the actual design and, and look of the room. In fact, the only thing they did that actually disturbed the only, the only part of it was they put a projector on the other side of a stained glass uh, window, and they just cut out a single pane for the, for the lens and then just shot it through the, shot it through the glass, and there's a, there's a drop-down screen uh, built into the, uh, into the molding. Wow. So, that's yeah, impressive. Uh, that, that is. That's, that's one of those things where I look and I go, this is where you had a serious, uh, a serious coordination chat with the architects and the GCs and everything else. Um, and they still maintain it, and it's still, it's still functional. Uh, I believe most of Pitts and uh, Duquesne stuff is Extron, and you know, there's a lot of uh, Extron 226 plates. And you know what? If it works, it works. You know, uh, me, I'm, I'm, you know, I have more of a preference for Crestron, but it also helps when you know you have an on-campus programmer that's one step away from master certification. So, <laughs> so you take that from from what you will. Um, that aside, though, CCUMC is really good if you're a technology manager or you're you know the head of your IT services. And you want to talk with folks because maybe you know you're you're just at your wit's end, or you know you've started going and saying we're going to install this stuff ourselves. Uh, how do we handle this? And it's a it's a it's a really good it's 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 almost like kind of catching up with family. I mean I'm not going to lie. I made I made friends up at SUNY New Paltz, and um, more than likely I'm going to go go visit them and you know go brainstorm with them about things. And they were they were happy as they were happy as a as a, a pig in mud and everything to suddenly talk about this and suddenly go oh yeah we've had that problem too oh we you know we, oh we got to work together on these things and it was it was nice. Yeah, um, yeah, next year it will be held uh, in November, and I believe it'll be held in San Antonio. So nice, San Antonio, yeah. November. So get get your warm on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. All I'm, right, I'm gonna definitely uh, go Spurs go anyway. Go Spurs, good lord. All right, uh, that'll do us. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us, Mr. Mike Tomei from Tomei Consulting. Uh, how can people find you, sir? Well, uh, they can go to my website, which is tomeiav.com. It's T-O-M-E-I-A-V.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on there pretty often. All right, very good. Ernie yeah. Bailey from UAMS, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Glad to participate. Uh, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. All right. And Mr. Bill O'Donnell, thank you. Uh, thank you much. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Twitter uh at the original od i am uh pretty quick responses with those so um yeah that's about it all right very good uh my name is tim albright don't follow me go by the website if you would please a whole lot of people spend a whole lot of time on there uh working their butts off to make it look like it does still making changes to it so stay tuned to that uh, avnation.tv avnation.tv you'll find this program and a host of others you can sign up for our newsletter uh we don't spam you or anything just 
keep tell you what's going on with AV Nation, really. Um, so you can you can sign up for that. You can check out the other programs we have. So avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been EdTech.